0: This is Ben Goldsmith, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. If this isn't your Top 5 Podcasts, yeah, right.
1: Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. See, today we have a little bit different episode. Uh, this is going to be episode number 191. <laughs> And, uh, what we're gonna be playing for you is a segment from, uh, the Men Who Look Bad in Spandex podcast that I, that myself, CBS, does with, uh, my buddy Max, um, over at, uh, 93.1. Uh, so we're gonna go run that for you. And then afterwards, we'll go and play an interview with, uh, David Lucarelli. And David Lucarelli, he's the guy who wrote, uh, Tinseltown. Uh, fantastic book. It's got two series now. Uh, it comes from Alterna Comics. Uh, so we'll run that for you. And, uh, That'll be the, that'll be the episode for 191. So I guess we're going to start off, uh, no news because I'm recording it the week before because I'm going to San Diego Comic Con. So if this gets done, in theory, this will be launched while I'm gone. So, uh, as a thing, if you're hearing this, it's because I managed to finish putting it together and it launched itself with the way it was scheduled to. So lucky day, everybody. Um, but anyway, I'll be indisposed and, uh, I guess you can go back and listen to old episodes if you want. She was a good idea, right? I think it is. Anyway, so we'll go ahead and run, um, in Who Looks Bad in Spandex. Did you really drag
2: me in here to listen to another one of your podcasts? Dude, you're embarrassing me
0: from the wizards. want a juice box and some string cheese? Do you really have that? Fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break. That's like 16 walls. Flawless
3: victory.
2: Mother. What's wrong
3: with me? Darling, I don't have to answer to you. I'm Batman. Why'd you open your barn hole, you smelly hippie? It's clobbering time.
0: This is the men who look bad in spandex? That's disgusting. Are you seriously calling it that? Yes, sir. We are off and rolling. It's the men who look bad in spandex. It's Magic 93.1 here in your ear. We got Comic Book Steve. We got Max. I don't have a clever nickname. You. You have, a, you have a better I mean, nickname
2: okay of I it kind of works for itself, man. I mean, Max is pretty, but I mean, sort of, I don't know. Maybe, yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know. That was like the worst attempt at comforting me I've ever seen or heard <laughs> in my life.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's like the name is built into the core already, so uh, it doesn't need
0: oh, another piece. Oh, you know, well, that's uh, what I'm saying. Well, that's nice of you. Man, that, was, that was super nice of you. Wow. Yeah, See? Nice. Look at that. The, the easy one is true. Come, <laughs> come <laughs> back. Uh, you made up for that one good, sir. Way good. <laughs> wow. Oh. Just, just when I thought you'd forgotten my birthday, you come at the uh, 11th hour with flowers in your hand. You big sweetheart. Yeah. That's how it works, man. Yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. So how's things in your world, man? The comic book world, brother? Everything going well? I know con season is approaching. Are... You going to be at the Denver Comic-Con, the Fan Expo, I believe it's called now, with the with a booth?
2: The way we understand it right now, yes. Um, but we're still waiting on another email from us. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the way I understand it, uh, yes. We should be up in Denver doing the,
0: doing the booth space, doing Denver stuff. Selling the comics, doing the things. I mean, hoping to, yeah. You do any commissions? I know you draw.
2: Uh, you know, probably, I don't think I'll be able to do both things. I mean, I might take some of my art stuff up there just to try stuff in the booth, but I find it unlikely that uh,
0: that I'll have time to do other shenanigan-y, draw-y things or anything like that. Yeah, you'll be busy keeping the masses happy, my friend. If you do want uh, a commission, CBS, Comic Book Steve, a Top 5 Comics. He does draw. Check him out, Top 5 Comics or CBS at Top 5 Comics on Instagram. You post all the time. I'm always enjoying it. I like the uh, recent sketch of Captain with the uh, old Mjolnir, and, uh, yeah, looked good. Cap looked a little sweaty, though, I'm, but it was kind of like, almost like real life there. It looked exactly like a pastiche of what was happening during the scene, <laughs> minus all the sweat. But, I mean, when you're fighting Thanos, you're probably working up a sweat, brother. No,
2: no, it makes sense. It makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, I was going to ask you, man, if you got a top five list of things to take to cons, what would it be? I know you've been to a lot, and if there's some people out there who's about to go to their first ones, and they think... Well, what should I take? What are the first five things you pack in your bag, CBS, when you're going to a comic convention?
2: Oh, man. Uh, let's see. First five things you pack in your bag. Uh, well, depending what time of year it is, I mean, sunscreen. If you're going to, to a show on the West, West Coast or East Coast, you are out on the... Out in the edges of the country where you're outside a lot, I'd say sunscreen. But I mean, that's a depending where you're going kind of thing. Uh, I mean, for me, it might, it might be a little different since when mean, we do a lot of podcast stuff and with that interviews. So, like, if we look at general content, attendee, I mean, probably what I would say to pack is a snack. Um, for your entire trip, though, I mean, that's a good question, Max. Uh, I. I would say a Sharpie with a really nice tip, like a good, decent black and a silver, because uh, you can never trust what people are going to have to sign stuff with. So let's just say you're a convention goer for collecting autographs um, or having your book signed. Uh, you want to make sure you have something with you that – because you think all the artists would have their own stuff, and sometimes they do, but they don't always plan ahead to have colors that work best on black covers. So I would say a pack of silver. Generally, they'll have black. So, yeah, if you take a silver Sharpie, that'd be number one. Oh, gosh. Um, A pack of bags and boards. Ooh. Maybe like 10. Ooh, there you you go. You want to be sure to be be able to put your stuff away and take care of it. If you're, like, collecting art prints, I mean, you can usually buy them there. They'll sell, like, top loaders. So, I don't necessarily think you have to pack them. I mean, you'll be paying a premium for them, but they're they're not horribly bad. So... Pack of bagging boards, um, silver sharpie. Uh, I mean, I would say sketch pad. Yeah, an off chance that you commission someone or run into the right person that you know is willing to sign stuff and do stuff for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, be good to have something for them to doodle on.
0: Yeah, that's true. Man, um, yeah. any snacks? Like a, what about like a Camelback or? I don't know, the sunscreen thing. That feels like a uh I mean, sunscreen is a good thing for the for the right... I mean, it, it,
2: when it comes to convention, you're going to want it standing in line a long time. So, I mean, if, you, if you're if you the type that... Uh, a candle back wouldn't be bad. Most conventions now uh, will let you carry something like that without any kind of problem. It's very few that are that are over the top about it anymore, but when it comes to stuff like that, I mean, a candle back's good, eh. But generally speaking, you to be carrying a backpack anyway. How many? I assume you'd have a backpack. Let's just say you didn't have a backpack. Backpack would be my last thing.
0: I, I. I wonder how many, how many monsters or Red Bulls or rock stars does it take to fill a Camelback?
2: Ah, man, I don't know. I think that's an experiment that we should probably try.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... I uh, man. I don't know, with the... With the uh, grape-flavored NOS lasts me a pretty good time, my friend. Like, I feel pretty yeah. good after slamming a NOS. I feel like a good caffeinated vibe <laughs> for the next, like, two to three hours. Sometimes I drink an yeah, energy I- drink, and it doesn't work for me, man. And I'm trying to slog across a convention center floor, which, of course, is big. <laughs> and I'm trying to find the right aisle and whatnot. Um, I feel... If I don't have the ones that working for me, whether it's like one of those five hour energy shots or maybe you've got those powders or whatever. But I feel a way to stay up and perky is a good idea as well.
2: Right. I mean when it comes to when it comes to that trying to just stay awake in general if you're gonna be there the entire day, the entire evening. I mean, I don't know, you could take a couple of five hour energies or something like that. I mean it depends on the person. Some people that doesn't really work for and other folks is too much, so Yeah. It all depends on the person. But I think when it comes to uh Items or whatever, I mean,
0: those are always good. I think if you're traveling, too, you're going to want to, of course, have some stuff, like a little headquarters, of course, basically at a hotel or perhaps somebody you're staying with, and then you kind of bring things from there, because a lot of people do travel to cons, and they stay at the hotels, and they go back and forth via Uber, taxi, walking or whatever, public transportation. So that's, right. yeah, that's the idea as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, as far as travel's concerned, it, it all depends on how far away If It's your hometown place, and I mean, you use your car and put whatever out in your car, back and forth or whatever, and it's a little bit different than if you're traveling multiple states to go to something or flying out to a, a convention. But flying to a, flying to a convention, I, I mean, I'd say backpack is the first thing, because you need to carry everything inside something, right? Yep. Good- in the bags and boards, good. Um, silver Sharpie, good.
0: Okay, backpack, silver Sharpie boards and bags right energy drinks energy drinks and, uh, sketch pad. and a sketchpad and sketchpad the five holiest the five things i'd say the five holiest of the holies the con survival guide with cbs yeah i was wondering man cuz i mean if you're approaching cuz it i mean the summer's technically con season anyway right the summer is when the the big yeah. one, the big ones happen obviously if you're going to go somewhere you can pick and choose you can go in November if you caught uh, you know, San Diego or L.A.'s in December. I understand that. And going to those places during the winter is not a big deal. Uh, and, you know, it takes some planning. But most of the stuff, like Denver's is in July in the Fan Expo. You're going to have a right. bunch of other stuff. Chicago's is in August. I know that. The New York Comic Con, I believe, is in September.
2: Uh, I think it is this year, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a migration back to what it was... Uh, pre-COVID, because the COVID thing kind of changed everything up.
2: Well, I mean, a tiny bit, yeah. I mean, mostly it's a matter of wearing masks. And, like, some dates have aligned and changed different. But for the most part, I mean, most shows are back to sort of normal where where they were at. I mean, it's not exactly the same. But, yeah, we don't have nearly as many happening in weird November. Just trying to catch up from the previous year, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean they kind of do like they're trying to do two in twelve months. Some people are trying to do two in twelve months with last years and this years, and eh, good for them, I, I suppose. It's such a big money maker. How many you been to, man? How many you been to conventions? Yeah, oh my God, um, like this is over fifty, right? The number's over fifty, right? Yeah, yeah. At this point, it'd be over fifty. Man, you're like uh, my Yoda. <laughs> maybe maybe my baby Yoda. Uh, I I don't know how that works. I can be baby Yoda. You can be the Mando. If you'd want to be anybody in the Star Wars universe, who would it be?
2: Oh man, if I could take one character from Star Wars to be, I don't know. I'm always more of a Luke Skywalker kind of guy, but I don't know. if... Uh, I think probably I'd be Lando. That's who I'd be. I'd be Lando. If I could take one character in Star Wars to be, I'd be Lando.
0: Smooth. Final answer. That's Lando. a butter. That's a buttery smooth answer right there, brother. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, he's the classiest and just awesome. Plus, he
0: lives. So, there you go. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be tough for Solo. But, I mean, everything, to me, goes back to the lightsaber. But that's probably the coolest weapon, if not the coolest weapon, ever invented for fandom. I, personally, have a fetishization of Captain America's shield. Close to my heart, but, you know, for, for, for lightsabers, I mean, they're like a close second, man. Well, sure, as far as, like,
2: you know, as far as mystical, magical items from whatever franchise, I mean, the lightsaber's kind of our king, so as far as, like, style, don't get me wrong, there's a bunch of other cool weapons and other cool things, but, I mean, the lightsabers have been imitated by lots of different franchises,
0: so there's
2: a reason for that, because they're
0: awesome. They are. They they are. If lightsabers were real, there'd be a lot of accidental deaths.
2: Oh my god, dude! You are so right. I mean, this thing about New Hope. When Luke's looking at that thing, he's looking at it like it's a flashlight, and he almost turns it bottom in his face.
0: Yeah, and then he's like waving yeah, it he's around, a, he's like waving it around. Yeah, just
2: like nonchalantly, with no like precursor about it at all. <laughs> it's amazing, he
0: didn't melt his damn face off. Oh, right! It's like put it down, boy. Put it down. <laughs> Yeah, what's what's right. what's Ben doing? Ben's just yeah. sitting there looking. Speaking of uh the man, the myth, the Obi Wan, your thoughts so far on the first three episodes? Oh man. Okay, so the Obi Wan, I like it, but if you to
2: sound like I don't. I <laughs> <laughs> have a lot of problems, man. Yeah. And they're not like in the world problems, it's just like uh, I don't I don't wanna be too too terribly spoilery, so I'm gonna try hard not to be. You can oh, like always yell.
0: Two, you can always yell "spoiler uh, alert," Steve. If you want to, you can always yeah, yell true. "spoiler alert" yeah. as loud as you can.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, spo- it's a spoiler alert kind of thing. There we go. We kind of might. Uh, so, like episode two. Yeah, I mean, I can live with most of what happens in number one, and um, be just be okay with it. Yeah, for the most part, uh-huh. and be okay with it. it's a little, a little slow, whatever. It's fine. We get to episode two, and in episode two, we have all of this running around chasing the kids shenanigan nonsense. And I'll give you Max, I mean in life I don't I don't have any of my own children, but I have friends who have children and aunts and uncles and I have, you know, plenty of kids that I've been around in life. I'm just saying the kids are wily so I can understand her running through the crowd and getting away from him. But she runs past him like at least two times and all he has to do is put out his hand. You're not trying. Quit not trying, you fool. What are you doing? Drives me nuts. I mean, if they were showing her like using force powers to get past him, like not knowing she's doing it, and she, oh, the force pushed him away. Cool. Okay, I could totally live with that. I mean, she's using it anyway when she talks to him with all her mind reading nonsense. So I can live with that idea that you know the force let her get away. But she runs past him as if it's like home alone shenanigans, like he's not even trying. What is going on? <laughs>
0: My God. Oh Just well, Put out your hand, you fool. Obi Wan's parenting skills are pretty terrible. I mean, uh, his I track record. Like, look, I tell
2: you, I've seen kids dragged away on Walmart, and he's on a pirate planet for the most part. Grab that kid, throw over your shoulder, anybody ask a question. Tell him she's a slave, and keep on moving. Uh-huh. <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Like, and she managed to get on top of the building. Okay, first, you have four links on any ladder because of your height. You're telling me she managed to get up the ladder before you, really? And then she's running into gunfire without any like second thought because maybe the lizard head guy is less dangerous than the man with the beard. Clearly, he's a fool. He can't even grab you. What is going on?
0: Oh man! Oh my god! The Dude, ineptitude! Stop. The ineptitude <sighs> of Star Wars bounty hunters, eh?
2: I mean that that part is not necessarily like he's trying to shoot the kid. So just say the lizard head guy's like, i to eat that kid later. I don't want to shoot it." <laughs> Okay, that's cool. He's trying to hit Obi-Wan Kenobi, and, like, he's dancing around, trying not to get shot by things, while the little girl basically acts as a human frickin' shield. <sighs> Which is also kind of aggravating. Use the child! Use the child! I mean, I mean, at this point, you might as well. But And I get the situation she's in. She's never seen this guy before, just because he dangles the idea that your dad sent me. Do you believe him? I, mean, I don't know. She's been around flea and the other two for however long, and... Maybe her trust for everyone's not is completely gone. Although she acts like that's not the case. Yeah. So like, there's just uh, uh, there's uh. just so many pieces. That it's like I get that he hasn't use the force and he's kind of a sissy. Okay, I, I get that. Ten years. They tell us it's, it's been ten years with dialogue and with words. So I get just like any muscle, the force should be something you have to keep practicing. Right. Things yeah. like riding a bike, except. More like, let's say, lifting weights makes more sense. You always know how to go lift those weights, but you can't just start at 400 pounds. you got to build your way up there, right? Especially if you haven't done it in a while. So I, I get that part, and I'm okay with that part. And I can live with all that, like, not using the force to do things. I, okay, I, I can live with it. Yeah. So well, episode two, the most of it's okay, but the shenanigans and kids stuff, I kiss him. I'm, I'm, it was a little much for me. And then he decides that he's going to disguise him. Like, he's like, oh, we're going to disguise ourselves because he's seen his face all all these little um, devices, right? And he, to, to hide himself as a Jedi, he puts on his hood, which makes him look more like a Jedi. Oh, that's... He went from being like a weird farmer guy <laughs> to now looking like a, a Jedi. Like what are you doing, dude? You had a mask. Put the mask back on, you fool. What is going on? <laughs> it's almost too much, Max. And he's like, oh, here, let's get you a jacket to make you look more inconspicuous. And yet you pick a jacket that looks like the jacket the kidnapped her in. Who is doing the costumes for this? She was wearing this crazy orange, god-awful looking whatever, and you change her into something else that looks like what she was wearing when we first saw her? What is going on? Oh, my God. Well, first of all... It's, like I said, it doesn't, doesn't kill the show... It's just pieces that I'm like, I think too much about
0: this. Allow me to, of course, point out the absolutely terrible parenting track record of one Obi-Wan Kenobi throughout the entire (laughs) canon of Star Wars (laughs) everything. And secondly, let me point out the fact that Star Wars writing has never been that strong. It's always more relied on the visual idea of what they're kind of conveying. Now... I, I do understand uh, the kind of the appeal of these series as they uh, explore the Star Wars universe more in that capacity as we see more of these characters and obviously Obi Wan and grief are uh, are going to be pretty big factors here and however he pulls himself out of this shell will be a fun second uh, arc of the series but. These aren't, uh, yeah, none of this, it's like totally undiscovered country to borrow from Star Trek, um, (laughs) here for Star Wars, because they're, you know, trying to finagle a a six uh, episode series while creating new love for characters that everybody knows is already dead. It goes back to the narrative issue with me. Just tell the story front to back, it would help you out a lot. You could keep the characters alive. If you wanted to bring them back from the dead, so on and so forth, but you know, instead they're kind of pigeonholed into this start and stop, because Obi Wan's storyline eventually ends, as does Anakin Skywalkers. And those are the two biggest things you've got going for you. Darth Vader and Obi Wan are the two possibly most iconic Star Wars things, depending on how much you're into it and how much you've read. Luke is big, whatever, but I argue that his dad is much bigger as Obi Wan, of course, after the prequels and what happened. Uh, with Obi-Wan, I mean, Ewan McGregor, I would argue that he's much bigger than Luke at this moment in time, even with the second, or I should say the uh, sequel, so, uh, episode 789, as well as what happened in the Mandalorian show. But Or was that Boba Fett? Sorry, that was Boba Fett?
2: Well, I mean both. Right, and He shows up in Mando and he shows up in... I mean, mean, technically they're all the Mando parts, so I guess you could just say Mando, it's fine.
0: Yeah, I I don't need lip service, man. Like, you know what's my favorite part of... You know what I want to see more of after watching Obi-Wan Kenobi? I want to see more of the Jedis that defected to the dark side and became those Grand Inquisitors. That's what I want to see. Sure. That's the type of character development you could go with. That's already rife, rich, with exploratory possibilities of how people change or conflict within a story... But no, we're instead given, like you said, like, you know, running around Chuck E. Cheese shenanigans, except this time Chuck E. Cheese is an uh, organ-trading planet where the detrius of the galaxy, you know, hang out. And, you know, you've got a member of the Red Hive Chili Peppers. Can we stop shoehorning people in, celebrities in? Can we stop making <laughs> up roles for celebrities that people don't even know anyway? People don't even know that's Flea. Stop stop shoehorning in celebrities, Nobody cares except the celebrity that gets to be in the freaking, the show. Right? Like Bill Burr. You know what I mean? Like Bill Burr and the Mandalorian. What's happening? <laughs> what? I, <don't... laughs> I mean, He played the part
2: just fine. I don't, I don't think, I think him being Bill Burr uh, as as an extra bonus is just an extra bonus. I don't necessarily feel like he's he, he shoot in, but I mean Machete is... is... And that's because he's buddies with Robert Rodriguez. I I not hate that either. And I don't hate I don't hate Flea. I mean, he plays a good, you know, crazy scumbag guy, so I don't I don't hate it. But <laughs> it, it, there's there's a little much when and, and Flea for you and me may be different than he is for anybody else. Same with Bill Burr. If you're not a if you don't know Bill Burr from his comedy bits and from the other stuff he does. Then he's just another actor to you. So. I mean, we need to get past the lines when we land somebody like Pauly Shore in Star Wars because Pauly Shore should be Pauly Shore to literally everyone. Is Pauly Shore in Star Wars? Did I miss something? No, 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 he's not. You're just making a. T- he's he's just—he's he's a good example. Like even—even even his own standoff he makes jokes about how he can't be casting things in Hollywood because if you put him in, like, let's just say, let's let's just say we're doing a movie about I don't know King Arthur. And it's in proper time, so knights and horses and nonsense. We you put Pauly Shore in any of those roles, it's going to be Pauly Shore on a horse. Because he can't be anything but himself. Yeah. That's so, like that's really well-pulled, Too to much. Yeah. But, like, at least with these ones, I mean, I'll give you, when Machete showed up, I said, Hey, it's Machete in space. Cool. <laughs> so, I mean, I love Danny Trejo. I do. I he's, think he's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. But, I mean, that's, that's what I first said, and my brain automatically thought... And then afterwards, that's all I can think of him as. So, But if you didn't see Machete, then, you know, you're just like, oh, hey, there's a scary dude running the Rancors. That makes sense. Cool. So it all depends on, like, how versed you are in other people. And, like, yeah. cameos for the cameos, yeah. It, I mean, if we, if we land a couple more in there that are a little more uh, face-front types, it would be going to be a little much. I mean, yeah. I, Zach Brass in there, I mean, he's, but he's an alien driving, you know, the forklift in episode three. And he doesn't even, I mean, he actually sounds like Seth Rogen, which is really weird. But that's who was in the, you know, the chair doing it, is Zach Brass. And, I mean, he's famous by his face, so if you see his face, you'd probably recognize him. But his name, not for everybody. I mean, if you were a fan of Scrubs, then you'd be aware who, we're, who I'm talking about. But, at least he was in alien makeup, and it's not like, Oh, here's the guy from Scrubs, and he's going to drag you around. Um,
0: yeah. Who was, uh, wasn't it? I, mean, it I think Jason Sudeikis and some other really famous person were a couple of stormtroopers that you would have never known.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah the way with their costumes, they're the biker scouts and the Mandalorian. Series, that's right. That's that correct. Yeah. Get themselves dead, hunt, well, they don't both get dead, I guess. But yeah, the two, they're, you know, trying to shoot oh. the Coke can. It's, you know, it's funny stuff. And it makes sense because they're funny. But like because they're in stormtrooper suits, it doesn't really or the Backer Scout
0: suits, it doesn't really take away from it being what it is. So it's true, my man. That's that, that's good. I I was wondering what you thought about it because I I don't know. I've I've seen people online mostly good glowing reviews about it, heralding another wonderful chapter, much like the Mandalorian in the Star Wars saga. And I was wondering what you thought, my man. So it's good to wrap that up. Put yeah. that on a nice little bow on that one. Well,
2: I mean, like I said, I don't I don't dislike it. There's just, there's just a handful of things that are driving me nuts right now. And I mean, I got one more little thing, and I swear I'll stop. <laughs> so like episode three, my biggest problem, and I was talking to a lady in the shop the other day about this. And it was before I had seen episode three, and so I can understand her laughter now because initially I hadn't seen three yet. Don't when we have Obi-Wan Kenobi and and, and Anakin or Vader, because before we knew it was Vader, in Hope, when the two of them meet for the final showdown for Obi-Wan, Vader says to him, last time we met, I was a learner, now I'm the master. And he's like, let's get it on. But he ragdolls him like a, like a ragdoll, because everything else is sweary. <laughs> and it makes him look like a chump. <laughs> I would have been far happier if Obi-Wan would have just gone with her down the tunnel, got away, so we could have a showdown later after he managed to beef up his lightsaber skills. Because now him saying that on the, on the Death Star makes no sense. Even at the next meeting, Obi-Wan trounces him, like, so, so bad that he's still, like, by the river of fire burning, so badly is the only way it would even sort of make sense, because otherwise the dialogue doesn't make any sense. Not anymore now, because you only whooped him once. And, like, ridiculously, it wasn't for the new lady we just met, he would never got away, and the non-talkie robot. Like, he, he was a dead man. <laughs> so now, like, any dialogue from that scene makes no sense.
0: That's a, a point that I did not even thought of uh, in A New Hope, when they do confront each other. Obviously, it's hard to retcon something like that. I suppose.
2: Well, I'm considering that, like, it, being what Disney's done with their picking the movies to be canon and throwing out all the comic books and all the novels and all the everything else up until their their own taking over the series. The only things that are actual canon gospel at this point are the freaking movies, and it doesn't matter if it's set one, two, or three, being the Old Testament, New Testament, and then the books of Kathleen. Or books of Ryan Johnson. I don't know. I haven't really come up with a good term for that one because how much I hate it. But as a thing, if you can't keep those pieces lined up, what are you doing? Like, it, like I said, now if the next meeting for them because they're supposed to meet again. Yep. Goes the other direction like heavily. Yep. Then I guess maybe there, if you TV just chumps them out, then maybe you can make that make sense. But it has to be like so bad. That they all wonder, well, how do you ever hold a lightsaber in the first place? <laughs> mm, which I just
0: don't think is going to happen. No, highly unlikely. It's lazy, it's, isn't it? It's so impressive. Now that I think about it, it's kind of kind of lazy, almost. Like I mean, that's one of the most iconic scenes, not only in the movie but in all of canon. Like you discussed, as far as the ho- right. the holy books of Lucas are concerned. Um, but. Where, where do you go from here, my man? And that, I, you know, <laughs> that obviously, a that's a great thing. I mean, episode three, uh, of course, you're going to get a climax, and you know, the way stories are told, now you're going to have a resolution at the end, which I can't imagine it being anything other than Obi One kicking the crap out of Darth Vader because everybody loves a good comeback story. But yeah, now that I think about it, even more, there's your words ringing in my skull, It's like that. That doesn't even <laughs> happen, man. Alec Guinness doesn't doesn't do that uh, yeah him and, and david Prowse uh, going face to face and then him turning into a force ghost or whatever that doesn't make right. any sense anymore why would no. he why would he do that at that point in life yeah i mean that's right. what a what a great point that, somebody should mm-hmm. talk we should talk to fabro about that i guess but we're talking to <laughs> you man about comics it's uh the Men who look bad in spandex it's it's comic book steve he actually is if you want to go to the ch- shop and chop it up with the man, whether it's about Obi-Wan, the show, or any comic book you might have an idea about, make sure you go see him. He is in the uh, Hillcrest Plaza, first and Orchard, right above Cameo Hairstyling Salon. Just head up those stairs and enter that magical world of wonder. My friend, before we let you go, as always, we like to talk about the new stuff. I've been interested in, first of all, do you have at the shop the Stranger Things comic book adaptation? So
2: we have some of the Stranger Things books, but with, with those guys, what they really are is an extension of the show. They're not they're not the show regurgitated into a book. They're they're extensions of the show. At this point I want to say there's six different volumes and that sounds like a lot but they're all like shorter volumes. There are four issues a piece. Um, and as far as pieces, the most recent one is of course flavored sort of Russia because of the new season. But it's all things that happen between seasons. The only one that was sorta of different was the very first one, which I don't currently have one of those but we are getting another copy in. Uh, and that one, when it picks up, the very first book, after the end of the first episode, whenever Will goes missing, that's what the book follows. It follows Will, so it works as like a companion to the first season. But all the other books sit between seasons. There's one called uh, Summer Camp, and it's basically Toothless meeting his girlfriend, and they have a very Camp Crystal Lake kind of adventure.
0: Interesting. Uh,
2: there's another one that's called uh, D&D, and the D&D one follows the game the boys have been playing through the show, and it has pieces peppered in of what time frame it is. So that one's actually written by two people. It's written by Jody Hauser, who writes the show stuff, and then written by Jim Zub, who writes the D&D stuff. And Jim Zub's been doing D&D comic books, I don't know, for like the last four years. The guy's awesome. He's great. He's done a lot of other stuff, too, but they're both fantastic. So that one follows the campaign. It's been the same campaign for the boys through the first three movies. Oh, wow. So just, I, it's I like extra that. stuff to pepper out stuff to make it bigger
0: yeah of course but I mean if you're a fan of tie-ins it sounds like those are necessary readings and I know Stranger Things when each season came out it was the biggest thing on the planet for a couple of weeks while it remained fresh in people's minds
2: right well, Yeah. Well and as far as pieces I mean when it comes to the uh, the story elements being that they're not just retold parts that they're new parts it, it just adds to the mythos and as far as all of them sit at least this far, none of them have been things that didn't fit within the story canon. So like that part's really cool too. Well,
0: I think it's it is cool to definitely get more of your favorite characters from whatever you love. Speaking of some of my favorite characters, uh Dark Crisis is underway. It's a new D C huge crossover that's event. Right. Uh number one I hear is uh, got quite the bang in it, no no pun intended.
2: Uh, yeah, that guy's new this week, so that that's a new one. Um, as far as uh, events are concerned, yeah, it's a pretty big event. Yeah. I mean, we had the Zero issue come out back then in the Free Comic Day, which I don't... I, I mean, it's, it's a good piece to have, but you don't have to have it. Uh, they put out a prelude issue last week, which sort of sets things up. So right now we have two pieces towards the story. We have the Road 2, and then we have the new number, the new number 1, which uh, would be this week's release. So yeah, as far as an event, I mean it's a its shape would be pretty big. Joshua
0: Williamson's writing it, and that dude's been doing great over there, so mm. and uh switching to Marvel, is it is it the Fortnite thing that's everybody's got everybody going, or is that just one piece of the puzzle that Marvel's rolling out for the summer?
2: Well, as far as pieces, I mean they're gonna have an event also, Judgment Day's gonna wind up be happening, which is a a X a X Men versus Eternals versus the Avengers, basically. So a menagerie of uh, characters, uh, but yeah, the thing that pops out this week that people are are chasing down is the uh, is the Fortnite uh, issue one for the Marvel books, and just like the DC ones they did, did I don't know, about a year ago, they have digital codes with them with different content for the game. So if that's your bag, then you can get new costumes and other items you can use in the game. But yeah, that guy's out new this week and uh, should be should be pretty neat. I mean, I've played a tiny bit of Fortnite, mostly I just die. But uh, people love it, so I think that's awesome. Hey, you got a
0: gamer tag, Steve? You should let the people know if they want to play with you, man. Oh, man, I, I don't. Okay. Like I said, I've played it a few times, usually with other people. Right? Using what? their stuff, making them look bad. <laughs> if anybody wants to know, I'm on Xbox Live as Hot Creamy Death 420. <laughs> so that was like it's like one of those like you can laugh, Steve. I understand. It's like one of those email addresses you create when like you're in middle school and you think you're super no, clever. No, no, it makes sense. And then you like you turn thirty six or whatever, which I am now, and you're like, oh, <laughs> I oh that's still a thing. Yeah, cool. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> great. I mean, that's a that's a notch in the old belt, isn't it? No, no, that's no, good. It's good stuff, man. That's it. Yeah. The laugh is because of awesomeness, not because of a thank you, <laughs> chicanery.
2: The previous the playing a fair amount of Quake and character's name not being something appropriate for anyone to hear. Right at the party, right. Quake is a
0: good time. Rode the rocket of. Yeah, played some Halo myself as well, doing the kind of the same thing. Definitely doing a lot of disrespect there. Sure, uh, Steve. <laughs> before we let you go, my man, is there anything else on the shelves right now we should definitely check out when we hit the store up?
2: Oh, man. Well, as far as, like, other stuff, I mean, both those books are good choices. Um, There's a newer one from Image called uh, Metal Society. It's a replace on uh, how humans treat technology right now. Um, It's set in the future where, of course, we've managed to nuke ourselves. uh, But what is still around is the AI robots that we had built. And uh, since they have taken over the Earth, eventually they decide to grow humans because they can. And so it's a very... uh, Reverse version of the way we look at things right now. First two issues of it are out. Number two, actually, number two just, just released this week. So the first two issues will be out as tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. Art's pretty decent. We have a female lead, and she's a uh, one that was built mostly for for laboring, but she takes on the the moniker of champion of the people. And they've decided they're going to have a robot versus human combat to decide, I guess, things. So, uh, pretty cool so far. So I say that one's worth checking out. Art's great in it.
0: I feel like the robots are going to win.
2: You know, it, generally speaking, they would, but the way they've set the rules up, the robot himself has certain limitations. So it's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting di- di- dynamic between the two things. And the way she's enhanced because they've been growing people with certain extra skills um, does help with that, too. So gotcha. it makes a little more sense in the book because they explain it pretty good than my short explanation
0: of it. I got you. Well, if you want more, make sure you hit him up. He is waiting for you. Open Monday through Saturday. Visit him on Facebook if you'd like to see on social media. Follow him on Instagram. Top 5 Comics, of course, right off First and Orchard. Be sure you hit him up. Uh, my man Steve, as always, it's, it's always a good time, dude. We appreciate your time taking the time for the Men to Look Bad in Spandex, my dude.
2: Of course, man. Not a problem.
1: That's a sample of uh, Men Who Looks Bad in Spandex, which you can also find on uh, all platforms, uh, as far as uh, podcasts are concerned. Uh, So after that, we'll go ahead and run this interview with, uh, again, Mr. David Lucarelli. Uh, This is from uh, WonderCon 2022. Uh, So enjoy.
4: This is Steve at Top 5 Comics Podcast here at WonderCon 2022, and I'm here with
3: David Lucarelli. David, your book is? My book is Tinseltown. It's a period crime drama about one of the first female police officers in Hollywood. So it's kind of like LA Confidential meets Boardwalk Empire. Set in 1916. Artist is Henry Ponciano. He's a Filipino artist. And in real life, my mother was a police officer, so it's also my tribute to her.
4: I was going to say, I remember in issue one, reading a little bit of the uh, backstory notes at the end of the book and a little bit about uh, being the basis of of your mom and stuff like that. So that was really cool. And the first issue, it had that stuff at the back.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was something we included. It's actually, I started researching what it was like for some of the first female police officers. And uh, as it turns out, historically speaking, Universal Studios had some of the first police officers around uh, 1915 1916 they were kind of a cross between lot security guards and people there to amuse and assist the tourists they were kind of a proto-feminist organization but they also weren't above exploiting them by marching them in short skirts and parades and things like that so i thought that was an interesting dichotomy well heck yeah
4: man as far as, far as the story is concerned i mean we're you're on the second volume uh... we're getting ready to finish that one up uh, so what's it like having a comic book series in print
3: Uh, It's been great, you know, um, Alterna's been great, and uh, yeah, Tinseltown Losing the Light, we just turned in the fifth and final issue. It's available uh, as part of the pre-order. You can get all five issues for the Alterna spring pre-order campaign on Indiegogo. And in the second miniseries, Abigail Moore uh, returns back to the lot, and she gets sent down to Mexico to supervise the filming of a movie that is supposed to save the studio, but all is not what it seems. Right on, man. So, if you want to get books, where's the best way to try to get them? Uh, the best way to get them is to go to alternacomics.com. and if you want to get autographed copies of all of these books, they are available at abacab Studios uh, on Etsy dot com.
4: Excellent. So, what brought you? What led you to do comic books, man?
3: Uh, you know, I've been a lifelong fan of comics, and I got to a certain point. You know, I'm a musician. And uh, I became a father. I didn't want to go on tour or anything like that, but I wanted to uh, to make some comics. So about nine years ago, I did my first convention right here, at WonderCon, and I debuted my first book, which is Children's Vampire Hunting Brigade. Um, that's kind of a coming of age gothic adventure, like a punk rock Buffy, set in Scotland. And that was when I first started working with artist Henry Ponciano, and we've been working together for you know ever since, for so about nine years now. And um the other thing I've got going on I should mention, if there's anybody listening in the SoCal area, I'm um, also a writer of plays and I am I have written and produced and am directing a play called The Crew for the twenty twenty two Hollywood Fringe Fest. It is a completely unauthorized play about Motley Crue, the world's most notorious rock band. The tagline is Underneath the Dirt Lies the Truth. So everything that wasn't in the dirt the movie. Uh, the movie's great, but it kind of portrays them as the ultimate hair metal band, and they were—they certainly were that. They had a lot of sex, they did a lot of drugs. But if that's the only thing they're remembered for, that would be a shame because they're a much more interesting, poignant, funny, and ultimately inspiring band than that. And I wanted to write a play so people remember.
4: Heck yeah, man! Well, that's awesome. There's a lot of avenues to have your hands in, man.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it keeps me busy, it keeps me off the streets. <laughs>
4: Well, as far as things, I mean, is there anything that inspires you, writer-wise, or comic-wise, or anything like that?
3: Um, you know, everything, really. I mean, just, uh, just life. I mean, I'm, you know, I just saw the new Batman movie, and I thought that was spectacular. So, you know, might be my favorite one. It's between that and The Dark Knight. (laughs) Both good choices. Yeah. What is your go-to karaoke song? My go-to karaoke song. Um... Probably Deuce by Kiss.
4: Oh, man. it's <laughs> a good choice? Heck, yeah. All right. Well, if you're stranded on a deserted island yeah. and you only take five items with you, what five items would you take?
3: Uh, five items. All right. I would probably take a copy of Kiss Destroyer. Um, I would have to take some, some comics by Jack Kirby. Uh, I would have to take um, at least one meal of pasta. Because I don't, you know, I need I need my pasta, and uh, how many how many do I have left? Two more. Two more. Um, could I take my wife? Sure. All right, I'll take my wife and my son. Otherwise, I get lonely. <laughs> right now, makes sense.
4: All right, last one. Yeah. If you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony?
3: Would I ride a ch- is that is that a euphemism for not something? At all. Oh, okay. Yeah, why not? I like I like ponies and I like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Did
4: you want to get melty?
3: <laughs> yeah, but you know that that's just my Make, might make the ride more fun this sounds dirty though okay
4: <laughs> well thanks so lot for taking the time to talk with us david appreciate it
3: thank you so much man have a great con
1: we just thank david for taking the time to talk with us again uh, you guys should check out his book it, it's fantastic i love it a lot uh Really really good stuff. Tinsel Town's been it's just great. And uh he himself is into a lot of other things, I mean, like he told you, musician and whatnot. Um, so anyway, uh so no real lesson of the day, considering that there's nothing there's no lesson from today. Uh yeah, uh, so check back with us next time. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh or enjoyed this. And uh hopefully I'll have some some stories from the road from Comic Con here for you next week. Uh, which we probably should have talked about Denver Comic Con, but I guess, uh, forgot to do that. So maybe it'll all be in one big shenanigan at 192. Uh, it was a fantastic show. I had a lot of fun. Actually, you know what? I'll just do it right now. So, Denver Comic Con, uh, was Good Times happened, uh, two and a half weeks ago, as of recording right now. Uh, three day show over in Denver. It's the uh, Fan Expo, uh, 2022, Denver Fan Expo 20- 2022. Real, real neat. Um, we were there as a store, so selling stuff, and we got a couple interviews also, which you guys will get to hear. Uh, I got an interview with, uh, with Ben Templesmith, and a, an interview with, uh, Joe Benitez. So you get those both from that show, and, uh, while I was there, I got to run into Katie Lutz a little bit, got to talk with her, took a couple pictures with her. Neat seeing her again ten years after the, the first time I ever met her, which is actually at the same convention, just with a different proprietor of the convention. Uh, Got to check with Jeff Parker again for a second, so that was pretty cool. Uh, you guys have heard his bumpers on here. You know him as Randall from, Randall from Clerks, so that was cool. Got to see him again, talk to him for a minute. Uh, stuff about the new Clerks movie, which, I mean, at this point, the trailer's in the world, so check it out. Uh, my predisposition against Kevin Smith as a person doesn't hinder that movie, and it looks freaking great. So, I mean, I guess there's that. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll catch up with you next episode. Aqui